Welcome to a special episode of Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. We're taking a close look at political candidates leading up to the November elections, and we're calling this special series Midterm Exams. If you're listening to a podcast and you're hearing a conversation with a candidate who may be running in your district or it's a candidate that you want to support, I strongly recommend that you share this podcast on social media or by word of mouth. It's vitally important that we not take this time for granted, especially since we're so close to the elections. If there's a candidate whom you want us to interview or you want to have advertised on our show, you can shoot us an email at makingadifferentshow at gmail.com, M-A-K-I-N, a different show at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash making, M-A-K-I-N, a difference show. Speaking of show, it's time to begin this conversation right here, right now on Making a Difference. Um, to be a Negro, to be a Negro in this country, and to be um, relatively conscious, is to be in a state of rage, almost, almost all of the time. You wonder why I spit the truth and not to make no dope. Welcome to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. I'm here with a, a, a dear friend, I can tell y'all, just somebody whom I've known, you know, just with, you know, talking about community concerns and politics and different things like that. You end up meeting just really genuinely good people, people who you look up to, people you may consider, you know, like motherly uh, influence. This is one of those individuals, man. I'm Look, we really just sat down and just talked for a little bit before we talked to y'all, man. So I done caught up with her. I'm glad to... I feel like reintroduced to you guys because she's been working uh, in the Richmond County on the Richmond County School Board since 2006. She's been doing this for over a decade. Glad to have Super District Nine incumbent trustee Miss Venus Kane. How you doing? I am truly, truly blessed. By, um, um, mm, I'm I am truly blessed. I'm glad to hear that. I just can't express it enough. We've talked a lot. I mean, we talked just about, like I just told, uh, just told Miss Venus y'all that, that I'm a dad, so she, you know, she's seen Cannon for the first time, and you know, she's happy. And, and he's gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> Look like his daddy. Look, looking like me, and you know, just you know, trading family stories and different things like that. That's one of the beautiful things about education. Whether you know you're working as a teacher or a trustee, is that you know you have children. You have grandchildren, but when you take on that responsibility within the context of a school system, man, you have like a thousand kids. You got ten thousand, and in the case of you as a super district nine trustee, you got maybe about you know twenty, thirty thousand kids. Half the district, <laughs> <laughs> you know, half the district. Yes. So just talk about um, that that responsibility. We'll just talk about it from like a motherly perspective first and foremost. Just the, the awesomeness of, of taking that and having taken it on for so long. So share, talk about this. Talk well, about it. it, I don't think you really can explain it. Um, and I'll try to, I think my greatest joy comes at graduation time. Mm -hmm. When I see children that I've kind of followed, say be it their academics, or they may be a child that sometimes they just can't seem to get it together. Mm -hmm. And I run up on them, and then 
that day comes in May when I get to see these kids walk across the stage and see many of them with tears in their eyes crying because they like I made it mm. I mean I made it and I understand today it's not mm. like it was when I was in high school there's so many obstacles out there to keep our children from graduating and if a child doesn't have a strong support group at home it's even more difficult for that child to reach the finish line so for me, watching our children walk across the stage with the tears in their eyes, or watching one of our high schools go to the state championship, and watching these kids battle, I mean battle, to be the best. Not only be the best, um, the best athletes, but they're also the best when it comes to academics, because you can't play sports if your grades aren't there. So to watch these kids with a grueling schedule still maintaining their grades and still being number one out there on the court or on the basketball field or on the track field, it's awesome to see them accomplish it. It's awesome to see the look in their face when they know I am number one through my hard work. I think that's just a – I really wish we could just take that and just play it you, the dialogue, the, the conversation that we have here, the way it's starting out, what I'm really impressed with is that your ability to be able to close the generation gap. And what I mean by that is, is that a lot of times you have older adults who say so many disparaging things and this, you know, things to discourage our young people. But, and I'm not saying that, you know, everything is, is, is peaches and roses all the time, maybe when you have, you know, the conversations with kids, but the fact that you can see the best in them and that you are trying to get the best out of them and knowing that you're in the position that you're in, man, is just is such an awesome thing. But when I look at it, you know, people, if you just take the kids and you just look at even adults, sure. you know, people don't like some adults for no reason at all. They don't even have to know them. Hmm. So they can come up with all kind of negative things about a person that they don't know anything about. And then when they get to meet that individual, and they kind of dialogue or they're at a party together and they're having fun or whatever, they like, wow, you're nothing like I thought you were. Mm. But all this time they were spilling negativity about someone. One of the things I have learned by uh, serving on the board, we can talk all day long about what's wrong with our, 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 our to be honest, our black children. Mm. But rarely do we spend as much time glorifying the children that are doing the right thing and lifting them up and saying, hey, you on track. You doing what you need to do. So whenever, whoever wins, especially with the girls, at the basketball, whoever wins every year, I order roses for each one of those girls because I want them to understand you are special. You are setting the standard for the girls behind you. You have set an example for them to follow, not only academically, but athletically. You have set the standard because many of you are going on to four-year colleges. Mm -hmm. Many of you have scholarships before or partial, but you're going. So when I run into children, people say, well, did you just tell him to pull his pants up? I just pull him across the tap on show. Come here, baby. And they say, yes, ma'am. I just point to their pants. They said, oh, I'm sorry. I said, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. 
and I keep walking. So I don't have time to tear down a child because many of our children, that's all they get. And sitting on the board, I see it just in the media. We will spend more time talking about a fight, a big fight that happened at the school, and people will pick up the phone and call everybody. What's going on with that fight? Why they had that fight at such and such a school? What happened here? But if something good, a child, when our child, when we had a child, at least three children, get the Bill Gates Millennium Scholarship, nobody's phone rung and said, did you hear about that young man from Laney that got the Bill Gates scholarship all the way, full ride, took it till he gets his PhD. An incredible accomplishment. Exactly, but we didn't talk about that. But if there was a fight at some school, we'll talk about it for a week. We don't, we don't uplift the kids because kids emulate what they see. So if you got enough kids rocking and grooving and making it academically, making it um, sports-wise, that's making it when it comes to cyber and robotics and they're building robotics and they're, build, they're going and competing. When kids start seeing that, they want to emulate what they see and what is being portrayed publicly. So we tend to concentrate more on the negative than the positive things that our school system really have going on that people say they don't know about. Hmm. I'm going to ask you about the, the functionality of, of the board later. I, you were talking so, uh, with so much passion about the cyber, and I know that's a, a big point of reference for you. That's something that you, you really want to see through in terms of just how it's, it's growing in this area. Yes. Uh, talk, talk about that, and, and that's something that you've really been pushing here recently. Um, when I was board president, we had a meeting um, with some personnel from Fort Gordon. When was this? When, just kind of give us a time frame. What, 2000, I want to say six or seven. Okay. I don't, can't hold me on those dates. Sure. And um, at the time, the Cyber Command wanted to put a high school on Fort Gordon. But at that time, the Garrison Commander did not, was not interested. So I said, if you're not, we are, we'll take it. <laughs> you know, because I knew enough about computers and where this was going before cybersecurity really blew up to where it is. So I went back, talked to a couple of board members. I got my uh, six votes that I needed put it on the table, the school board said, yes, let's go for it. So we sent a group down that went uh, from Fort Gordon and Columbia County down somewhere to northern Georgia where they have a cyber school. We came back uh, and Nanette Barnes and her staff from the CTAE, some uh, volunteers from Fort Gordon and some of Richmond County uh, other staff members within the system and a few from Columbia County got together and they wrote the Cyber Pathway Curriculum. And once they wrote it, we approved it, it was sent to the state and it was approved. Uh, for the last four years we have been running the pathway. I have, uh, which I was really excited about because now we were moving in the direction and it gave our children another avenue to be successful. And I felt like this was something 
excellent for our children because I understood when I would go on the you know the youth government website look for jobs everything was automation 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 I looked at what those jobs were paying and sometimes I hit myself in the head <laughs> because when I came here that's what I was doing because I came from Washington DC at the time where computers were big so when I got here to Fort Gordon we were nowhere where I was when I was living in Washington, D.C. So I kind of understood and said, Some, there's something to this. Mm. I'm not sure, but there's something to this, and we need to pursue it. We did. And um, I'm an avid uh, video game player. Okay. I like to play the video games on computer. And I was sitting there one night playing video games and eating Nestle Crunches, and that's <laughs> my thing now. And I kept saying, we're, we're missing something, we're missing something, we're missing something. And it hit me. I said, no, our kids can't be successful just with going to a regular school and getting the training. They need more. And I said, we need to partner with Augusta Tech, Augusta University, I don't care who, whoever have a good cyber program, we need to partner with them because when our children come out of high school, they need to have all the industry standards and certifications they need to make them gainfully employable, if nothing else but entry-level job. So that morning at 6 o'clock, I was on the phone with Dr. Pringle. She said, you know, Venus, that's something we can really seriously look at. I said, okay. The next month we came back, they had already worked the kinks out of what I had suggested to her and I was standing there with her, Mary Barnes, and Terry Elam while we signed our MOA, mm -hmm. which now allows our children to go over to, they go to trans from all over, all our high schools, they either go in the morning or in the afternoon oh, great. That's good. to TCM, and they get their cyber training. They start in the ninth grade. When they get to the 11th grade, then they actually start going over to Augusta Tech. Mm -hmm. That is just so cool. <clears throat> After, by the time they get to the senior year, they will have their industry standards and certification. Wow. So that child coming out of high school with their associate degree in cybersecurity and a high school diploma can look at an entry-level job right here at Fort Gordon, making approximately forty to $50,000 a year. Right out of high school. Right out of high school. Now, if that child is really ambitious and really into the cyber, they can stay here their year. They take an entry-level job at a five or a seven and stay here at Fort Gordon a year, say going up to Maryland. Stay up there a year, two years. Take a promotion. They can always come back to Fort Gordon as a GS 11 and 12, making $80,000, $90,000 a year by the time they're 20-some years old or 25 years old. That's awesome to me because now our children can stay right here in Augusta and make and be productive citizens and make a decent income to which they can survive. That the, the feasibility of that is, is just so incredible, and I, I want to commend you and the board for being able to, to push that and make that effective. We, people ask the question here, and, I, and a lot of times I think it's so disingenuous when they ask. They say, well, why don't the young people stay here? 
It's because you haven't put anything in here for, to keep them here. I All mean, the jobs are elsewhere, but y'all are changing that. I mean, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm only 25. <laughs> 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 and for me, I like dancing. Hmm. I love dancing. But when you, you look at it, where is there somewhere a 25-year-old my age <laughs> can go dancing? There is no nightlife here. Not the type of nightlife I am accustomed to. True. You know, I grew up in Los Angeles. Tell people where you're from. That's what I'm, I'm about to say. I'm, I'm actually from Los Angeles. Wow. Uh, I grew up in a very progressive city where you close your eyes a little bit too long, you might miss a few things. Um, <laughs> and I have, you know, lived in Germany. I've lived in Virginia, so I was up and down in Baltimore, Maryland, Philadelphia. DMV. I'm, I'm yeah. sure you have New York, son. Yeah, I did New York. <laughs> in fact, I did New York about five years ago. Love New York. Mm -hmm. um, so my thinking is a little bit more progressive thinking and the what ifs and how can we make it happen. I think if we had more of a nightlife for our young adults and as well as us 25-year-olds, you know, somewhere where we could go on a Friday night or a Saturday night or early on a Sunday evening and sit down and listen to some smooth jazz and have a nice dinner and a nice glass of wine or something. Those are the things that draw people to stay in your community because it's not only the cultural things that you have going on, it's also the nightlife. Well, culturally, I think we do pretty good, you know. I mean, my thing is I like to go down to Saturday Market. Saturday Market downtown off of Reynolds is awesome. And I find myself, I start at one end of the street and eat my way down one side and come back, you know, the arts and the heart. Right. Uh, the Saturday, uh, Sunday night jazz. All that is stuff that bring people together, that give people some entertainment. So if we can get that going, now we got the job thing going, we can start to see Augusta become self-sufficient to where we won't have to raise taxes because we'll have enough people here pouring money into our economy because they're coming to our jazz festivals. They're coming to, say, if, if we hold a big, say, cyber competition. We just had Technic. That brought in thousands of people that paid, and that's, that's, that's money, that's income into our community. So when we can have things, if we have a big jazz festival, like in San Diego, they have like a week-long, three- or four-day-long mm -hmm. jazz festival. Could you imagine the kind of money and the revenue that would come into this city if we could have a jazz festival? Those are things that reduce the tax burden on those of us that are here. That is what brings people back into your community, and that is what helps build up your schools. I, I tell you, it's just so, so much just common sense thinking going, going on here. I'm, I'm glad we are able to sit down here. When you talk about San Diego, the thing that comes to mind with San Diego a lot, I like video games. I like com I read comic books. So I'm in the comic con. But now you got to, we don't think about these things. When you say cybersecurity, we think about it from, you know, an understandably subtle aspect of robotics. But, I mean, you have things like E3. I mean, certainly, you know, there's just so much room for innovation and growth and development. Oh, yes. And one of the things that was like explained to us today said, you know, you get, we'll be at the point to where if your car needs to be fixed, your car will drive itself <laughs> to the auto mechanic. Right. Drive itself back 
you get a bing on your phone with the bill. <laughs> and you didn't have to leave the house. When you really look at everything we do today, involves cybersecurity. Everything down to our banking. Because everybody's pushing mobile app banking, mobile app this, mobile app that. Um, now you can log into your medical chart, you know, and get your messages back and forth from your doctor by logging on to a computer. You can bank totally by computer. You can order clothes, you can do everything. And in all in actuality, you can sit in your house all day with a laptop and never come out and order your groceries and everything <laughs> you need. You know, but then with that comes, you're giving out your credit card information, you're putting in a lot of your personal information that is constantly being um, hacked because you have your hackers that that's all they do all day long. And a lot of the news articles that I have watched have shown that once your information hits the black web, it's sold not to just one person but several people over and over and over again. So by the time you wake up in the morning, you might realize you did some online banking and you wake up in the morning and you only move $7 out of your account. Today you don't have anything because somebody went in overnight and wiped out your life saving. The kids that we are growing now, the cyber people, the cyber children, they're gonna be here to protect us. Because when you really look at it, your son, my grandchildren, they don't know what a rotary phone is. <laughs> they don't know what it is to write a letter <laughs> hand written. They don't know what it is to not have a remote control to turn your TV. Their life has been totally evolved around technology and I realize it and I'm not as technical savvy as I should be and I feel like I don't need to be but I know enough because when I get stumped I can hand that phone or that I mean I have a smart TV I can't operate it and it does everything <laughs> everything you want it to do all I needed to do is turn on and to be able to turn, change the channel. But my children have taught me how to surf the web from my TV, from TV, how to be able to hook up other things. And I'm like, you know, this is really deep. So the society in which we're going to, we're gonna need to have children that know cyber, cyber, but not only do they know cyber, they're gonna have to program that robot that now will come in and do the cooking for you, that will now come in and clean your house. You know, we used to watch the Jetson growing mm -hmm. up, <laughs> you know? We thought that was so far. This is so far off. <clears throat> but when I look at it, it really wasn't that far off. Mm -hmm. Because now we have Alexis that will say, would you like me to call who? Would you like me to do this? So we're getting there. We now have cars that say they're trying to develop that will drive us. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is sit down. You know, we now have smart homes to where you don't need a key. 
It's computer operated to where you can pick up your cell phone and see if somebody that went in your house and who's in your house robbing you or one of the kids that came to the house and decided they want to grocery shop in your house <laughs> who actually came in and took the rump roast out the house, you know? So, yes, it's, it's very important. It's very important. Definitely. I want to, um, because I know people are listening saying, man, I thought this was going to be about, look, look we, this is a versatile conversation. That's that's what I love to have here on Making a Difference. I, I do want to ask you about the just the functionality of, of the board and, you know, from, we spoke earlier, you talked a lot about just really all being able to work, working well together and, you know, with that, those partnerships and, and with that, um, that uh, just, just the ability to, to really come together and, and, and make some important decisions for the uh, constituency. You guys have gotten a lot done. Talk about that. Well, first of all, we hired the best superintendent. She's worth her weight in gold, mm. Dr. Pringle. She has really drawn the community together to support our endeavors. So we have really involved our community stakeholders in everything that we do. Um, we are a board that, you know, we've, it's our second year being uh, Board of Distinction by GSBA. Congratulations. We have been a, known as a system. We won award through GSBA for technology. We, we've also uh, been working together. We just opened a skills trade center. And what we found was industry was saying, you know, our electricians, our plumbers, our carpenters, our bricklayers, they are retiring. We don't have the pipeline to fill those jobs. Well, that, that pipeline to fill those jobs went away because everybody was pushing kids to go to college. Kids, everybody had to go to college in order to make money. Mm -hmm. And I heard a story a couple of weeks ago from a young lady. She says she's highly educated. She graduated from Harvard. She has her PhD. She says she makes less money than her cousins that are tradesmen. <laughs> wow. And when you really look at it, that, that's true. Because a plumber's gonna make good money Monday through Friday. But guess what? It's folks like me that be looking for that plumber and folks like you that's looking for that plumber on a Saturday or Sunday that somebody say, well, my cousin's a plumber. They can make extra money on Fridays and Saturdays and on the evenings when they get out off of work. Mm -hmm. That mason, the man that lays or the woman that lays brick, they can come in, hey, I do my eight hours over here. I can go put in two, three hours and build a mailbox for them and make another three, four hundred dollars for the day. So we, what we did was we developed a skills trade center, and I'll tell you why. Because the state will not pay but any classroom or any program that has below 17 students in it. So when it falls below 17, you have to find a way to pay for that program, which means if you keep the program, you are now paying that teacher's salary out of your general fund, which is your tax. Taxpayer property dollars. Ta taxpayer dollars. So what we found, we had to start cutting programs throughout the, the system because you didn't have enough kids. Mm -hmm. And then when we would get uh, audit, they would always come back and say, we're not providing the same 
opportunities to all children. Well, if you only have two kids over here that want to be a mechanic at Hepzibah, you can't put two kids in a classroom with a teacher. It is not economically feasible, nor is a good way to spend taxpayers' money. So what we did is we said, you know what? This is, we got with the industry, what do you need? We build a skill, train, uh, skill center based on what they say they need right now. What we need to be turning out to fill the void. And we bust those kids in to the skilled trade center at, Lo, uh, at uh, Josie. We're running two shifts, morning and afternoon. So those kids can get the necessary skills and that they need so if they want to go out and be a plumber, if they want to go out and be a welder, if they want to go out and be a mechanic, they now can do that. Then that gives us an opportunity to still get the funding from the state because our classroom is up to where we need it to be. So we did that. Then we did the RPM uh, Center, awesome with Textron. And what we did is we took approximately a little less than 200 kids. These were your totally at-risk students. When I say at risk, the mother and father may be in prison. They're living with their grandparents on min minimum uh, income. Some of the kids may be homeless and just on their own at all. Wow. They're behind, and, and to hear these kids' story, it brings tears to your eyes. What they do is they go to school, and I think they run two shifts. See, the two or three shifts. They go to school in the morning, and at night, when they get out of school, the second part of the day, they're working at our, our, uh, at our for Textron. Mm -hmm. We set up an actual warehouse, a Textron assembly line in the transportation department. These kids are making more than minimum wages. Mm. Not only are they making more than minimum wages, they're learning a skill, plus this child that somebody said was not gonna graduate and had across his head or her head drop out are now walking across the stage with a high school diploma. Something else you're doing too, I just I'm didn't mean to interject, is you are um, circ uh, circumventing and actually cutting off that, uh, that school to prison pipeline. Yes, we really have basically cut it. It has been cut off. So these kids then, here's the catch, when they graduate from that program, Textron gives them their own personal graduation each child is given a laptop for them to go on to college. Then they come back and they graduate with us again. Many of those kids, when they graduate, depend on how well of a worker they was when they were in high school. They interview for jobs with Textron. <laughs> so when they walk out of high school, guess what? They got a job making $12, $13, $14 an hour working for Textron now these children that were not able to stand on their own, that could have ended up in jail or in prison, now have meaningful income. So we cut, as you said, we cut that pipeline. Then we took children that were behind and took Dr. Pringle, took and pulled them out of the schools. So your children that were behind in math and reading, and language art. She took those kids and put them in one school that where more time is given to those children where the focus on math and reading to get them up to grade level. 
Once we get them up to grade level, they're then sent back to their school, their zone school, where these children are successful. We put in at Laney a career college program, an AP program. So we have children that now are going over to Laney from all over in their career program where they're going to school, taking their core classes, doing the day, then going to college, some time either in the morning or the afternoon, getting their college degree, working on it. So yes, we have really stopped the prison, the pipeline. We have shut it off because there, at this point in our life, there is no reason for a child not to complete high school because we have something for every child. If you don't like cyber, maybe you like culinary arts. Don't like cyber and culinary arts, maybe you like, you academics is your thing. We have the IB program, we have AP programs, we have magnet school. That's not your forte. You want to be a mechanic, we got that for you. You don't want to be a mechanic, you want to be a welder, oops, we got that for you. You want to be a hairdresser, beautician, we have that for you. You want to be a future farmer of America, and you want to be a farmer, we have that for you. We have something for every child. If the child is willing, even without the support of the parent, if the child is willing, we're going to get them where they need to be because the school is going to give them the support they need to be successful. Man, I... When uh, when I was uh, thinking about this, uh, just having this conversation, I said, well, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, your campaign and all, but you've talked about your campaign for 30 minutes because your campaign, you, you've been campaigning over the last 12, 13 years. People have seen what, you, what you've done, um, you know, uh, in Augusta, throughout Augusta, throughout your district. It's just one thing I, I want to get you to encourage the folks to do because, as you know, and you've been elected and reelected, um, help people understand the importance of getting out and, and voting. Uh, not only uh, in, you know, for school board, but just, I mean, this is a, an important election, these midterms. You know, I look at it, my late husband used to have a saying, and he used to say, you don't mind and you don't matter. So what he was saying, if you didn't get out there, you don't get out there and vote, you don't mind what happens to you and you really don't matter because you don't matter to them. I think we as a community, we can no longer be complacent because society is still moving. And if we're not moving and grooving with society and keeping our children where they need to be, now none of us are perfect, we all fall short. Sure. Fall short of the, as they, and, and, and it's just real. We fall short of the glory of God. So as parents, we're going to make mistakes. As community leaders, we're going to make mistakes. Just as human beings, we're going to make mistakes. But as long as we are doing what is morally, ethically, and good for our community, and we can start seeing our community grow, we're seeing less kids being locked up and put in handcuffs. We're seeing more kids. Our graduation rate is now over 80%. We're graduating more students. I get excited when I see a school as large as Hepsa, I mean, no, Cross Creek, 
you generally have about 300 kids. And you tell me you got you graduated 290 of them? Well, that 290 you graduate, that's all right. Because the mother 10, we're going to come back and get it in the summer graduation. So we're still coming out. Because if we don't get them in the end of May, we're going to hold on to them and keep them all summer. And at the end of summer, we're going to have another summer graduation just for those kids, that extra 50 or 60 kids that didn't make it to make them successful. So it's important that we know that the people who want to represent you, what's in their heart, what are they doing? And one of the things I have tried to do is anything that I do, what can I do to one, make sure our kids are getting educated, two, make sure those scholarships we have fussed and said, we want our counselors to spend more time with helping our children find the resources to go to college more scholarships, whatever's out there, we want you to find it to help our children get it. Putting programs in place to help our children be successful, to help our children. And like I said today in my speech, when it's all said and done, because Augusta is going to be the cyber center of the United States, whether we like it or not. And my goal is to not only get our children to where they're ready to take those jobs, but when they interview for those jobs, they if they're asked, where did you get your training and how did you get your training, I want those kids to be able to say no matter where they go and interview, be it in Baltimore, be it in New York, be it in Dubai, be it in California, be it in Hawaii, where Tel Aviv, I want them to be able to say proudly, I got my education and training from Richmond County School System and Augusta Tech or Augusta State. And those two names or those three names become household names throughout the United States. And I do believe with everything in me, we can make that happen. And I do believe when I'm reelected, the next thing I want to work on is making sure they got the education, they getting the education, they getting the training they need in the classroom. Now I want to see them take that same, the same principles that they're learning in the classroom. And during the summertime, let's put them to work doing some internship. So when they finish high school, not only do they have the education, not only do they have the training, they have the work experience to go along with it. <laughs> I don't need to add anything else except this, y'all. Tuesday, November 6th, if y'all don't come out here and re-elect me this game, what are you doing if you're not registered to vote? My goodness, October 9th, I believe, is, is the day that I, I make sure I don't get it mixed up. In South Carolina, it's the 5th, and I think in Georgia, it's the 9th. But listen, if you listen to this podcast, man, and you're not registered to vote, come on, get registered to vote so you can come out and reelect Miss Venus Kane. So glad to have you on the show. It's so good to be here and to see you again and to spend some time catching up. It's been a while. It was awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Making a Difference. But the movement doesn't stop here. You can follow us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com backslash making, M-A-K-I-N, a difference. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash making, M-A-K-I-N, a different show. That's the best way to keep up with all of our podcasts and video logs. Love you guys so much. Peace and God bless. You win. Perfect.